Over the Fox, kept clicking, I barely stopped New guests on NBC, no one that represent me So I got tired of waiting, said master debate Give me some headlines, it must be past bedtime Sleeping on me still like I ain't vitamin D For real, rep your city, play devil's advocate Why ain't ready, gon' have to snack a bit Tell me something good, a recipe for success Give me some timeline, shop session and flight deck Hey, P, what's next? Get so hot you can't contact Said that, man, all that Old school player, what you call that? Bobby Wall Mad, slick player, Lou Dog Dad. You got a good girl, you got a good girl, that is. Till I come through with the pipe and change up a whole world. Different world, Dwayne Wayne. South Beach, Dwayne Wade. Spanish bitch, tricking all that. How I keep my bills paid, y'all niggas. Man, I'm out here single living happily. And got probably two or three bitches mad at me. But that's life. <clears throat> They're right here. It's some we at. Give me some headlines crafted for y'all that we've been slow marinating over about eight, about, about two years. You know what I'm saying? We sitting on so much motherfucking music. It's ridiculous. But uh, it's about 19 weeks to Valentine's Day. And we had given some headlines and planned something very special for y'all. The vacation countdown to Valentine's Day. We're going to carry y'all right through cuffing season with some sultry tunes over some R&B ballads. The most smooth jacket for beats you ever heard in your life. I'm talking about bars that <laughs> they don't paint a picture. They articulate a movie, a film to you. So as y'all take this journey with us, I could be El Capitan. I could be El Jefe. I could be the nigga driving that bitch straight off of the spreadway. But Whatever I'm going to do, y'all already know I'm going to be with my crew, man. My ride or die, my game, my partner in this shit, man. My nigga P, you got to come in there, bitch, before I even shoot out one clip. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, no, he did. Yes, he did. He did goblet. P, Henry Trotter the fourth, a.k.a. P, Henry Trotter the fourth. Yeah, I said it twice. Made it more nice. Yeah. AKA Casino P, AKA Mock Tube, AKA Quinn with the pen and with the lens, AKA P in HD, AKA. This is an expensive ass whiskey I'm drinking. I didn't buy it. I didn't buy it. What it do, man? We in this thing. Episode 25, season one. Give me some headlines. You ain't hit me with the big tabby though. I was I was oh. waiting on the big tabby. He already know it. This your dog Tabula Raza, aka Big Tabby. Always hit my partner with the nickname, cause you know what it is. And it COVID. So nigga, please don't even try to dap me. And my nigga P forgot one of them nicknames. Oh, it right after PhD. Damn. Oh, uh, you get it. <laughs> and we ain't talking about the point. Did right here, episode 25, season one. And it's a Spike P joint. How you Spike doing, P man? Joint. 
I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well, man. A lot of good news happening in uh in in the world. Um amongst all the things that we want to be negative about, man. Some good things is is definitely taking place, man. Some uh Hey, fuck the world like Eminem cuz. Fuck the world like Eminem cuz I don't want to bury the lead. You got that bit queued up. Let's drop into the Lear video, cuz. Count them down and I'm going to sound that bitch off. Bam, bam, bam. I'm geek and I'm fired up. We play it. We pressing play in three, two, one, go. Turn it, turn it, turn it, turn it. <laughs> On vacation, on vacation, we burning, 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 burning. I say turn it, turn it, turn it, turn it. Nigga making all the same mistake lessons I ain't learning. Around my way, they call me COD. My mama said that I've been swagging since the age of three. And she is, she ain't never lied, she ain't never lied. Still convinced I love you better than another lie. Hey, they call me private party COD. COD. The only love that I let in inspired by the leaf tree. And I'm still hot, ain't never lie. But I'm five years sober, one day at a time. Hey, now I'm just drowning in purple. Did my 12 steps in a circle, still feel like I ain't deserve you. I hurt you, shit. But now it's time to move on. I hit the booth and I'm on. I smoke a blunder that's strong. I'm Gone. So many fish in the sea, but the hoe catch and release. I ain't found none out with key. High creep <laughs> through the back streets of the cater. On the low, getting paper, bitches and your friendly neighbor. Mass crusade, y'all get pulled in the Seder. The fast come before the feast. Beauty can stomach the beast. Castle and keeper from Lee. Hold up, chain the subject. I need to range the budget. I need to cop it and flood it. She say she love me, but to me we just fuck And I can't find no balance Focusing on my talents I need to harness the chi I need to balance my chakras I need to spend more time Ring bumping Tupac and Big Papa Hold up they call me private party COD The only love that I let in is by the tree And I'm still high, ain't never lie But I'm seven months sober, one day at a time Around my way, they call me COD My mama said that I've been swagging since the age of three She, she ain't never lie, she ain't never lie Still convinced I love you better in another life Life after death, fuck death, Columinati Worshipped at the altar and I felt my soul leaving my body Another plane of existence, stack on some shrooms, get missing Little tab of that LSD vacation, could have been named H.O.T.C. Confessions, smoke concessions, nigga pouring up in licks Distort the picture, Photoshop made a nigga But grinding made me that nigga, bitch flowing made me that real Drop wet in these models, Twitter, big brothers raised them a killer Hey, keep your head clean so you can do your dirt Gonna pop that pussy for me, baby Gonna make it work Try to make it work Now I come out my shirt And the whole new they mine Gonna drop that one more time Time, time, time They call me private party COD Only love that I let in inspired by the tree It's live by that and I'm still high I ain't never lied But I ain't ill sober one day at a time Hey, round my way.
way they call me COD. My mama said that I've been swagging since the age of three. And you know, yeah. And she ain't never lied. Still convinced I love you better in another life. They call me private party. I'm here to get it started. For being broken hearted. And the church say, one more again, quiet. They call me COD. My mama said that I've been swagging since the age of three. And you know, she ain't ain't never lied. Still convinced I love you better in another life. They They call me private party. I'm here to get it started. Fuck being broken hearted. Yeah, man. That's y'all first taste of vacation. That first song, SLS, SLS remix. Your boy, COD, Decatur Boy Music, featuring your man's P. Henry Trotter the Fourth, man. So <laughs> that's the, I guess we can't call it the title track, but it is the, the thesis intro. Of the project, yeah, it's the it's the intro of the project. So, shouts out the party right next man, door, boy. My obsession yeah. with SLS is what inspired that remix. I had to jump on that bitch when we created the concept for the tape. One of the first instrumentals I I went to track down was that SLS had had to do it. And so that was the question that I was going to ask you what 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 caused your what caused your obsession with that song. And like, why was that the one that you you thought, man? I gotta, I gotta hop on this one. It's it's multifaceted, man. It's a few songs that I'm addicted to, and they have parts of the song where the instrumental ride out. So every time I listen to it, I freestyle a different version of something I enjoy to this song. So. I had probably 60 versions of SLS that I enjoyed before I ever wrote something for SLS because I'd rap different stuff that I enjoyed whenever I listened to it. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, uh, the boy Sam Hunt got a song called uh, Breaking Up Was Easy in the 90s. It's a country song. And I, I when I say I love that motherfucker, I love it. It's about a 12-bar loop after the bridge that lead into the final hook. And when I say I tear that motherfucker up, bro, I'm finna chop that shit and do something crazy with that for the listeners. But Breaking Up was easy in the 90s. Sam Hunt, another song like that that I'm just addicted to. But yeah, yeah. So that's why SLS had to get bodied, bro. I, I knew that I had some cadences and some flows for it to where I could rap for four minutes. I, when the beat started, I was like, I'm a rap until... I can't no more. You feel what I'm saying? Right. Period. And I was confident that I could carry that shit and not and not be hurting to make sure it flowed and changed and developed into different things. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. So my next question is, what inspired the boss? Oh, man. Well, whenever I write in anything I do, even if it's some trap shit, like as a Libra, I seek balance 
So in my writing, I create duality. You feel what I'm saying? So in the bars where I speak about addiction, I am referencing both past loves as well as different substances that may have been a part of my maturation process at the time. You feel what I'm saying? So when I say yeah. um, the only love that, uh, that I let in inspired by the tree leaf and I'm still high, I ain't never lied. I'm talking about as far as drugs and stuff, you ain't gonna catch me doing none of the design of shit. I'm good on that shit. You know what I'm saying? The only love that I let in inspired yep. by the tree. <laughs> the leaf and i'm still high i ain't never lie and then if you take that and flip it it also has dual meaning in other in other means as well and the similar commitment to the metaphorical context of still being high certain people and certain loves i experienced were impactful enough to where one of the the harshest things I ever cultivated as a skill as a human being was learning how to let go of love. And I feel like it hardened me as a person. And I learned it very young. The first person I ever genuinely just stopped loving was my father. And I had to learn how to do that at a very young age so that compounding trauma wasn't created. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. So with certain people who impacted me in my life and who I feel like I genuinely wouldn't be alive without them, I refuse to use that part of me because I didn't want to harden the part of me that I feel like make me special that I wouldn't have without them. You feel what I'm saying? Right. So when I talk about that addiction and still being high, I, the part of me that is special the part of me that I got from the promise that I made to my grandma, never letting anybody make me worse. And the other side of that commitment being to let the people who I truly love and care about make me better. The human being that I wouldn't be without you, I'm not letting go of that part of me. So I'm not letting go of the love that I have for you either. I'm still high. I ain't never lied. You feel what I'm saying? I made that promise to my grandma. I ain't never lie. So certain love, I feel like I can't let go because I'll let go of the part of me that's special because I had that love. You feel what I'm saying? Right, right. So the bar is like, and then, you know what I'm saying? I jump into, I, I go back and forth between saying some shit that's real like that and then talking my shit. You feel what I'm saying? So I jump right after saying some shit like that to saying, uh... I hit the booth and I'm on. I smoke a blunt of that strong. I'm gone. Because even though I'll never let go of that, I can choose health and whatever that looked like for me. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. I don't feel like holding on to the love. I mean, I got to hold on to something that ain't healthy for me. And uh, I jumped right from that to saying, I'm free. You know what I'm saying? I'm free that a motherfucker. And there's so many fish in the sea, but the whole catch and release. I ain't found nothing I would keep. You feel what I'm saying? Yom Kippur. Bruh. <laughs> Bruh, let me get the ball. I ain't found nothing I would keep. I creep. Shouts out to TLC. Ooh, I through the streets of the cater on the low getting paper. Bitch, it's your friendly neighbor. You know the whole money over bitch thing. The mass crusader. Yom Kippur in the Seder. Shouts out to my Jewish brethren. Uh, Yom Kippur 
to simplify it, is a fast. Seder is a feast to celebrate the end of the fast. Yom Kippur in the Seder, the fast come before the feast. Beauty can stomach the beast. Castle wouldn't keep her from leave. Like <laughs> after you've been starved of love or anything, once you experience it, in order to satiate that hunger, it create a beast in a lot of ways. You feel what I'm saying? You've never seen a motherfucker yeah. eat like a motherfucker who's starving. You feel what I'm saying? Right. So that 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 line that come right after that, <laughs> beauty couldn't stomach the beast. Like no one could have satiated that hunger because it was an unreal thirst. But hindsight is 2020, not my vision. You feel what I'm saying? But a castle wouldn't keep her from leave. No matter how much shit we built, no matter how cool of a lifestyle we built together, the the emotional level of it wasn't healthy. If a castle wouldn't have kept her from leaving. Then that's why I need to say, hold up, I need to change the subject. I need to raise the budget. I need to cop it, then flood it, smash it. She say she love me, but to me, we just fucking et- Every time I say some real shit, I jump back to saying some crazy shit so that you don't start thinking too hard about what I'm saying. Because if if you do, you're going to be like, oh, no, I want to listen to vacation. So I say some real shit and then I'd be like, here goes some bars, y'all. Here goes some bars. You feel me? It's how you feel about that. You feel what I'm saying? Give some medicine and then give some bars. You feel me? Yeah. Yeah. No, nah, I think it's a... Uh it's a it's an artistic way of com- of compiling a song um it's a it's understanding where you are in the song and it's understanding what people came for it's the the personal amount of the song which people are already interested in but then it's also the okay i know why y'all really here though you know what I mean? yeah so let me give you why you why you're really here and let's talk about let's talk about something else you change the subject yourself like you said, like I need to change the subject. Like and I give that cue with the whole look every time I do it. I don't know if you heard that audibly because I didn't write it in the lyric video, but I'm putting that Easter egg out there for anybody who consumed the show. Like it's um I love Easter eggs, I love foreshadowing, I love that Lord Voldemort is an anagram file. Tom Riddle and all that shit. Like things like that bring me a ridiculous amount of joy. Like, have you seen Interstellar? Uh, I have, but I don't remember it much. Damn. Uh, I'm trying to reference something you would know. But one of the dope-ass things about that is on Miller's planet, like, time passes differently. Do you remember that element of the movie? I do remember that. Yeah, I do remember that element. When that, when they're on that planet, if you're listening to the sound mix of the movie and, and paying attention, it's a part of the ambient level of noise, but there's a tick that you hear. They tell you about time passing differently and how being there 20 years will pass in the time that da 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 But the actual mechanism of that is it happens every like 1.27 to 1.3 seconds. And that's a day passing on Earth. And when you go back and experience the movie and feel that, everything is deafening. When, a, when, when that wave comes, and everything starts to happen, they lose months trying to survive that shit. 
You feel what I'm saying? And one of them die. They lose months in that time. And like little shit like that, I love to do in the music. So anytime I feel like I'm getting too emotional or I'm talking too, too real, I say, hold up. And then I just switched that shit up. But I threw that bitch in the ad libs. You feel what I'm saying? And you was in the record yeah. session. So, but I, I'm like, he not going to notice that shit either or know why I did that the way I did. I did them whole ups as a different recording layer after I did the rest of the ad libs. Yeah. It's like uh, a girl. And they all different. <laughs> We're not doing that here. It's subtle stuff. Like, yeah, I feel like it's a lot of Easter eggs in music that people don't notice. Like, uh, when I Love McConan came out as uh, a part of the LGBTQ spectrum, it didn't surprise me. Because he was like he was getting popping in the A and shit. And the song that he hit with was I got the club going up on a Tuesday. Do y'all know what night that is in Atlanta? <laughs> Do y'all know what Tuesday night is in Atlanta? Anybody? So if he had the club going up on a Tuesday, I already knew what it was. While y'all was out there. Dancing, y'all ain't know what y'all was celebrating, but I knew what it was. You weren't aware of that, was you? I can tell by your face. Nah, I didn't. I mean, I've yeah, heard, man, I've heard it from you. I've heard yeah. it from you, but it's Easter, but just like R. Kelly being the Pied Piper or R and B. After the first case, the nigga switches nickname to a person who could get anybody to do whatever he wanted to with music. And y'all were surprised when there were more problems. The story of the Pied Piper, he was hired to get all of the rats out of the town and agreed upon a deal with the townspeople. He come into the town, plays his music, gets all of the rats to leave the town. When he come back, they don't want to pay him. So he plays a tune and steals all of their children. That is the story of the Pied Piper. And that nigga told you he was the Pied Piper R&B after the first tape. It's Easter eggs all out in music, man. It's motherfuckers hiding in plain sight. And when people surprise and shocked and go crazy later, I'm like, I don't know what the fuck y'all was on. But as far as my music go, ain't none of that bullshit in my music. The Easter eggs in my music are all artistic. You feel what I'm saying? Like the shit about aliens and the Mona Lisa and shit like that. You feel what I'm talking about? It's aliens and the Mona Lisa? It's a nigga standing in the background looking up. And if you follow his eye line, it's a UFO. The sun rays that come down in the Mona Lisa don't come toward the foreground or toward the the focal point of the painting. They go toward the UFO as if it was like beaming something up. It's all kind of shit like that. Like it's a portrait of um, it's certain portraits where if you put the you got to like put it in a computer and put it next to itself and it'll make an alien's face. Like the the standard ET gray that you see represented. That was supposedly abducting niggas all in the nineties and shit. Interesting. I didn't know that shit either. And I'm talking about shit from like the Renaissance period, bro. 
Da Vinci yeah. and them. Like it's it's all, I'm gonna talk to you about it. We gonna we're gonna have an episode about I'm gonna make that a conspiracy, brother. I'm glad that you uh you I, I sparked your curiosity. You feel what I'm saying? Now, one of my favorite parts of this song, SLS remix, is the outro. You know that this shit 100% real, no bullshit, no cap. That shit was 100% organic and it was from you singing this shit, but changing the lyrics slightly. And I'm saying, and I started talking to you about the round robin effect and doing that shit like a choir. How tough was it for you to become a choir with me yelling at you because I'm an artist and I'm sensitive about my shit? Are you like how surprised were you at how good that shit sound? How proud? Like I'm proud of how that shit sound. I love that shit, bro. I feel like I had I, like I got that shit out of you, bro. I feel like that shit jamming. Where your head at, bro? Yeah. Um, I enjoyed doing it. It's uh, it's somebody who I'm not classically trained in keys and uh like the range and stuff. So it's just, it's all done by ear. And so to be, to have it be requested and then have to turn it around in such a tiny space. No, nope, when you don't know keys, like when you, yeah, when you don't know, don't know the lyrics. Change, yeah. It's a, uh, it was, it's a challenge. They pulled you out of your comfort zone, obviously. But uh, it was, yeah, it was rewarding, like, to hear the final product. Um, yeah. It's, um, and I, but I guess that's what this shit is, is, like, doing, I'm not doing it for me, but in doing it for the people who are going to hear it, you grow yourself as an artist when you have to challenge yourself and it's to step out of these boxes that you used to be in. Cause I just, you know, usually I'm just rapping or I'm singing some shit that's familiar to me. Um, so it's an easier process, but like when you're doing something where you got to come up with three different voices or three different keys of voice and try to make them mesh together and then make it, uh, make the voices mesh well, but then mesh it also with the song. I guess, yeah, that shit is... And have me scream at your face. Stop trying to sing it on time with the other shit. A choir is not perfectly in sync. You are not stacking a verse. And you was like, the fuck do that even mean? I don't know if you remember that, but I remember like trying to get you, because I I refused to mute the other takes because you had to sing it in a different key. You feel what I'm saying? But I was like, stop yeah. singing the shit perfectly in line with yourself. He was like, I don't know how to sing the shit off beat. I said, don't sing it off beat now. And then that's why the, the, the second tilt of it uh, go past it. Because you was just like, fuck it, just keep running it. And I'm going to do it until it feel good. And the first one that feel good, we going to keep that and then build around that motherfucker. I said, I like where your head's at. Nigga, we uh. We went and got some motherfucking watermelon. Tell me, we went and got some old watermelon. Yeah. <laughs> Juice yeah, that shit, nigga. Uh, telling you, vacation fueled by watermelon, kids. Straight sweet Alabama side of the road country motherfucker with a whole bushel. I'm talking about wa- real watermelon. No salt on it. None of that country shit, you niggas. Who be putting salt on that watermelon cup? 
uh, a lot of motherfuckers from the country. But them Cincinnati niggas? Yeah. Them natty nah, niggas be, uh, be wild. You put sugar on their wrist. That ain't okay. <laughs> Ugh. We gonna fight you niggas. <laughs> <clears throat> but yeah, man. We go. We go. Keep it moving along, man. But on on, on the give me some headlines. IG. We'll put that link in the show notes. He hate when I do that. He be like, "What well, that shit you said? I'm gonna put in the show notes." Because now I got to keep that promise. I write it down. But uh, we gonna be previewing next week's track, which is "Vacation." Is a compilation project from from uh, you know, saying three WC me and my nigga P. But there are a few, I guess, solo tracks. Some tracks, uh, my bro do the whole track, and all I do are the ad libs. <laughs> we gonna get y'all a bunch of different vibes and a bunch of different cold ass shit. This countdown to Valentine's Day is going to be a journey. You feel me? And uh, we started off with SLS remix, where we foreshadow a lot of the different themes on the tape and how I talk about some real shit, and then I dive out of it to run away for a little while. We're going to do that with the soundscape of the project and take you down the roller coaster your Tokyo, drift your ass all the way, got them out to Japan, man. But next week, get your motherfucking cameras ready. I'm talking about your your iPhone 12s with 10 cameras on it, all them fat-ass lenses, your Pro Maxes. Get your Androids ready. Get your DSLRs. Get all that shit ready, man. Cause we gon' we gonna keep it. We gonna keep it Toronto. We gonna keep it OVO for the first two remixes, man. I went and uh mangled one of party next doors, timeless classics, and my dog P H T I V PhD. He gonna apply his expertise to one of the smoothest motherfucking tracks. Off of arguably one of Drake's most iconic albums, Take Care. P, what you got for him next week, man? Yeah, man. Um, I remixed one of the songs that was important to me during a, a former relationship. Um, tease it now, tease it. Don't give him the whole cow now, give him yeah. a little milk. Give him a little tea. Yeah, man. It's just yeah. insane in the building. Insane in the building. He in the room with his mama. Okay. That was uh but uh yeah, man. It uh it was inspired by yeah. It was it was recorded a while back, re-recorded when we did vacation. Um referencing an old flame and talking about some stuff that's very relevant to today's dating culture, man. So yeah, hope y'all, hope y'all enjoy it. Um, happy to, yeah, I'm happy that we're going to be, you know, sharing it with y'all. Um, yeah, hope y'all ready for this shit, man. It's yeah. Y'all about to get 19 weeks of flames, bro. Yeah, man. We finished off that last track with, with, with a nigga, who pin ridiculous on this uh, literature, singing his ass off. And please believe he started off cameras doing the same thing. You feel what I'm saying? So get ready for some bars and some blessings on cameras next week. 1013. 
give me some headline. You know what I mean? But uh, shouts out to my dog Deontay out there in Arkansas, man. We shouted him out last week, and we gonna keep this nice and quick. UGA uh removed all Arkansas thoughts about they draws being big. How you feel? You can't you catch any of that game, man? Man, you had me watch that damn game. I I watched the whole I watched the whole first half. Uh, I gave. I'm gonna give you my quick rundown of this shit. I watched the whole first half. Here we go. First quarter. UGA, Arkansas gave up an opening drive touchdown. Nine plays, yep. seventy five yards. Arkansas first possession. Two false starts on the way to a three and out. UGA's next possession touchdown. Arkansas's next possession penalty. Punt blocked in their own end zone, recover for a touchdown. Yeah. They got the ball back. Started started moving the ball. Quarterback was he, he a big dude. He he was he was running them cats over. Not really. They got some talented backs. That drive ended up in a punt. UGA <laughs> touchdown. Arkansas next drive. Missed field goal. UGA next <laughs> next drive. Field goal, Arkansas started on their own 33, their best field position of the game. Yeah. Punt. <laughs> and then I stopped, I stopped keeping scope. I was like, man, I see where this shit going. And I knew from the first touchdown, after, after that punt got blocked in the end zone and recovered for a touchdown, I knew this shit was over. Um, Arkansas, man. And we talked about it last week on the show. You asked me, is Arkansas on their way or is they going to be – Midway through the season, they just gonna be an afterthought. We ain't yeah, yeah. midway to the season, they have afterthought. And I don't think that loss is gonna I had no idea they was playing the dogs the next week. I, I wouldn't even ask that shit if if I knew they was playing us on Saturday. I'd have never did that. I too. think Georgia's the best team in the nation. And Arkansas just happened to run into the best team in the nation. Yeah, they did. And yeah, they did. Pumba ran into a dog. Unfortunately, yeah. Like maybe if they if they'd have played somebody like LSU or Auburn, and not, not to say those teams aren't good, but you ran into the best team in the nation, and you number eight, and you weren't ready for that. Like you needed another another test besides the best team because it's taking Georgia. They got hit Georgia with too many ready. things they, they hadn't go, dealt with. Yeah, too many things. Cause they were bopping um, niggas. They hadn't had anybody score in the first quarter. Georgia scored. Every time they right. touched the ball in the first Every quarter. Every time they touched the ball in the first, in the first half. <laughs> and scored when y'all had the ball. So <laughs> they weren't ready to bounce was, back uh, from a punch in the mouth like that, bro. No. And I hope they like, can bounce back next One week. of their players, uh, they tweeted out, Georgia is who we thought they were. Now let's get back to work and win some football games. That nigga said on to the next one. Bro, that nigga, that nigga Deontay tweeted something like, man, I got so many things to do today, but I ain't doing none of them at Arkansas win. And I was like, you're going to get a lot done today then, my good sir. Yeah, you talking about? You're going to get a lot of shit done today. And uh, I ain't even respond to it once we started smacking him. I was like, he know. He knows. Yeah. He yeah. ain't getting shit watching, done right now. Like, Every he, time he checks something off his to-do list, it ain't nothing I can send him that'll be better smack talk than the silence. You feel what I said? <laughs> and that's on the Jack Daniels. Hey, you talking about real victory smack. Yeah, that's hey, funny. Yeah. 
it took George a long time, uh, like, to get there, though. Like, Kirby Smart has been there. I think, like, this is like his fifth year, fourth, fifth year. Yeah, so man. Him, Appreciate him that, Bama. There, yeah, for him to get there <laughs> and for them to be. He the second one of the y'all disciples we done tried out. I think he working out. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he got a job <laughs> for, for a long time. Yeah, man. Yeah. First time, long time. Hey, you talking about speaking of that, bro? Could you do me the biggest of favors? What's that? Give me some headlines. Bet that I can give you some headlines. All right, man. This story comes from our good friends over at the NPR. Facebook's new whistleblower is we do love NPR. Yeah, we do. Facebook's new whistleblower is renewing scrutiny of the social media giant. Ooh. This story also comes from the NPR. Five things to know about the MCU's first openly gay superpowered character. <laughs> what was the read that one again? Five things to know. Who that from? The MC uh NPR. This one too? Yeah. Oh, okay. That's interesting. I didn't know they reported on shit like that. Yeah. Five things to know about the MCU's first openly gay superpowered character. Damn, Damn that's too interesting. First two. Fuck. This is okay. G- Gothamist. I think this got something to do with New York. Vandal splatters gray paint. On George Floyd bust in Union Square. Yeah, Union Square is in New York. Oh, fuck that story. Fuck that dude. Them first two fucking heaters. Fuck. You know what? I, I, I'm going to need that second one sent to me. But that first one, that Facebook whistleblower. Because people never talk about when conspiracy theorists become scientists whose hypothesis were created. Uh, proved correct. You know what I'm saying? Because all a conspiracy is is a secret between one or more uh, between more than one party, and a theory is a hypothesis that is unproven. Because of all of the variables, being able to create a vacuum at high speeds and things like that, there are things that disprove gravity experiments to where it is still a scientific theory. It does not exist as law and scientific fact. Even though if you jump off somehow, you are going to fall. Gravity as a theory has not been proven as an elemental force. It's still people who believe that it is not something pushing you down so much as it is a magnetic force returning you to a polarity center, which is, I don't know. But anyway, Point being, that first story sounds very interesting. And people have been talking about shit that Facebook is up to for a long time. So this whistleblower and what exactly he done. <laughs> they they got a lot of funny names for snitch when it's uh when it's them. But yeah, let's talk about this whistleblower. <laughs> Frank Lucas was a whistleblower, huh? <laughs> Uh, so six nine. It's easy to come back to rap if yeah, he was man. a whistleblower instead of a fucking rat, right? You're right. So the NPR reports Facebook's new whistleblower 
is renewing scrutiny of the social media giant. A data scientist named Frances Hagen has revealed herself to be the whistleblower behind a massive exposure of the inner workings at Facebook. Let me read. Let me reread that because this is an NPR article, and I have to read it in my NPR softer voice. Yeah, yeah, I need that. Appreciate you. A data scientist named Frances Hagen has revealed herself to be the whistleblower behind a massive exposure of the inner workings at Facebook. Prior to appearing on 60 Minutes on Sunday, Hagen, a former employee at the social media giant, kept her identity a secret after sharing thousands of pages of internal Facebook documents to the media and federal law enforcement. Hagen's planned ah, testimony. Hagen's planned testimony this week, as well as the information she shared so far, suggests the company deceived the public and its investors about its ability to deal with the hate speech and misinformation on its platform. Quote, Facebook over and over again has shown it chooses profit over safety. She said, quote, close quote, she said during the interview on Sunday, Hagen's document dump, her testimony scheduled in front of Congress this week, and an ongoing investigative reporting series into the company are potentially pushing Facebook into its biggest crisis yet. The negative spotlight also comes as Republicans and Democrats on Capitol Hill are increasingly are increasingly scrutinizing Facebook's actions. Can I tell the people something they might not know as a nigga who done had family deal with a lot of tomfoolery and fuckery with them folk? At Facebook? Feds. Oh, okay. Yeah. Some <laughs> the layman or normal person might not know about a fucking snitch. And that's why my antenna went up when they called her a whistleblower. The reason she reported it to the feds, some a lot of people don't know about these fucking snitches, is they collect a percentage of all fines and fees collected. So when a nigga snitch on a drug dealer and they go collect $10 million in goods and ill-gotten gains, that fuck nigga, not only does his time get cut, but he get out and he get a percentage of the lick that they just hit. So this bitch is finna get a percentage of the billions in fines they probably about to hit Facebook with. So you gonna see her on the Forbes list out of nowhere. So remember the name. You feel what I'm saying? She a snitch. She ain't a whistleblower. So don't let this PR campaign that she about to go on that's going to taint the jury pool if they have to take it past arbitration and settling this shit with Facebook. Don't don't let her don't 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 let her convince you she a hero. This shit for profit. And it's countless other motherfuckers at Facebook right now who had this same questionable shit come across their desk who thinking, God damn, I missed that money play being loyal. And not being a fucking snitch. So she can call herself a whistleblower. Whistleblowers reveal that Johnson and Johnson knew about cancer causing elements in their baby powder 40 years before they ever did anything about it. That's a whistleblower. But this shit right here, that for profit shit, that shit questionable. That shit very questionable because that Johnson and Johnson shit led to settlements paid out to people who were affected by that shit. 
on Facebook gonna be cutting a check to the government and she gonna be getting a percentage. We're not finna benefit from this shit. And I promise you, Facebook gonna find a way to make up the money because they got shareholders to answer to. So for for her to say they were prioritizing profit over safety is only for the for her to say point blank period, they were not being prudent or honest in protecting the truth and all of this fact-finding shit they've been doing for the past couple of years that they have used the pandemic to justify. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. A great deal of people aren't going to go read those thousands of pages of documents, but I've read a bunch of the highlights and I didn't know that this person was attached to it until give me some headlines i just knew that facebook was in some hot shit and i went and looked at why they was in some hot shit kind of like i'm very familiar with watergate but i don't i don't know who deep throat is you feel what i'm saying so yeah i was familiar with watergate but didn't know that deep throat was out there waiting for her cut of the fines that facebook about to get um so what are your thoughts on it as I share that perspective the audience may not know? Now with that in your consciousness, does it change your perspective on the story? How do you feel about Facebook's involvement? Um, I did see today that they had like Facebook wasn't working, like Instagram was down, like yep. that was going nuts. So like, and people without their social media is like, what, what am I going to do at work now? your fucking job uh but i don't think like it's all kind of bullshit going on who didn't know like who didn't know that facebook was doing like it's so many documentaries and shit about like how facebook is just ass and they like they they are feeding the frenzy on both sides of the aisle like they are taking like the hate speech and like that's what people who hate hate speech see and then they taking like the uh refugees are coming to take your job and they throw it in front of the motherfuckers who are afraid they're gonna lose their job to refugees and immigrants and shit like they but it's like the internet like they all they doing is they intensify the internet this is what you're gonna spend and then they put gun ass to both of them right yeah like they're doing they doing more of like when you when you in front of your t- in front of your computer camera and you talk about oh man you know i probably need some more deodorant i'm running low and in the next site you go to there's an ad for deodorant that's what facebook does I, i'm afraid of immigrants coming and snatching my children out of their beds on facebook you're gonna see hey did you hear about the young lady who was in her suburb home and immigrants came and snatched their kids out of bed. And, See, I was right. I'm validated. So uh, all it does is validate. It validates your worst fears. None of your, none of your, uh, none of the things that are good or peaceful. Like there's, there's profit in that. Um, in your worry and like your like your happiness doesn't bring them doesn't bring them dollars doesn't bring them as much attention as uh 
is your your worry does because you're going to you're going to continue to go down those rabbit holes and you're going to spend more of your time on facebook and that's what they want is your attention man so like none of this is shocking to me like this young lady like being a whistleblower um like i don't know it just she not special like you said, like she not special. She in it, she in it for profit. She not in it to be a hero. She didn't grow a moral conscience overnight. Like, like can I happened? highlight like, something what, that it made me notice, bro? Ben, what's that? Ben Franklin said it best. Those who would give up essential liberty to purchase a temporary little safety deserve neither liberty nor safety and will have neither. For Facebook to have done so many questionable things with censorship, with plastering messages over your stories and messages and anything that you post that is an opinion about something, for Facebook to decide they determine what is a fact. And this whistleblower to come out and tell you all of the actual actions they made were not to protect the truth. They were for profit. They were not for your health. They were for profit. Stop giving up your fucking liberties for safety to people who who have absolutely no fucking priority towards your safety. It's your fucking responsibility. And your freedom is essential to you being able to maintain your fucking safety. That's that's what it makes me think. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, man. Anytime you make those types of compromises, you're going to lose. I don't, yeah, like, what makes her any better than Facebook? Like, the things that they do are for profit, for gain, because they believe it's in their best interest. She didn't do this. Yeah, like you said, she didn't do this for our for our. She didn't do this thinking she was going to go get a job at another company because of her integrity. She did it knowing she'd never have to work again. Right. Who going to hire her? Whistleblowing ass. Because I know none of the companies you (laughs) none of the companies you're dealing with. uh, We can't let her around sensitive information. (laughs) Is she a data scientist? How the fuck they gonna hide it from her if they want to? Right. She digging that up. You cooking the books, you gonna hire a nigga from the SEC. Yeah. (laughs) Do you feel me? Uh, I'm cheating the government on my taxes. I'm not going to hire nobody to work for the IRS. <laughs> if your fantasy football league secretly running numbers and y'all the bookies for the whole neighborhood, don't invite a cop to come join your fantasy football league. That's all I'm saying. That's not what mine is, but or any of the ones I'm in. Let me be clear. Uh, that ain't a bit. <laughs> but uh. She was a turd in the punch bowl and Zuckerfuck got a drink that. You feel what I'm saying? It just is what it is. Yeah. Kool-Aid gonna taste funny for a little while. Yeah. I'm sure he used to it. When the world think about him the way they do, though, how far can his character fall or be 
assassinated. But shit, man, we'll get lost in that shit, man. Uh, to all the lost people, all the lost cases, man. To all the people getting money and all the lost wages. Sometimes you need a little escape. And here we here give me some headlines like to do a segment architected by my dog P that we call Give Me Some Pages. Yeah, yeah. P talk to the people. What we talking about? Man, so your boy been doing a lot of reading. You know, I started a new gig in mortgages and shit, and so I got to get licensed. So been in a lot of studying. But uh, when I take my puppy butt on this walk in the mornings, I usually cut something good on in my ears, man, some audio book. Um, and I'll listen to uh, listen to the audio book, and then I'll also like come back home and I'll sit down like with the actual text and uh and, and do some reading, man. So I've been reading uh, quite a few things, man. But the two things that have stuck out to me lately, one I just finished up, and then the other one I'm currently reading, or I've already read it and I'm rereading. Um, the first book is outwitting the devil and i don't know if i i don't think i've mentioned it on on this show before but outwitting the devil is a a book uh by the same author that wrote think and grow rich uh napoleon hill um and in this book man he's he sets it up and it's it's like it's brilliantly written so and the audio book is is fire because of the way that he he actually wrote the book um so he wrote this book and he interviews the devil and in this interview, he wants to know why the devil is so who the devil is, why the devil is so powerful, what power the devil actually has. And then in this, they don't refer, they refer to God in this book. They call him by the name God, or they call God God, but they also the devil refers to God as his opposition. And so uh, <laughs> Yeah. And so he goes through this book, like talking about all these things, like the things that set people back um, the things that are the pitfalls of of man and, and women um, in this world. And uh, it's just a super interesting book. And I, I don't want to talk about it too much to give it away. But it talks about this one concept called drifting. And like that's where. You, the person have these purposes to fulfill in life and the devil ensnares you by making you drift away from your purpose um and drifting is like the number it's one of the number one causes of like why people die and they're unfulfilled in in their life because and it's essentially you live a fulfilled life by working and working is you can fill in that verb or work the noun with with anything like whatever you decide and so in think and grow rich it's about thinking about having a clear goal about what you want to do and then pursuing that goal and not let anything deter you from it and so he brings that concept into this book and talks about like how the devil can be defeated and the devil reveals himself not to be what we always hear is this horned figure that's red with a pitchfork and 
stands in this lake of fire, the devil is, he finds himself just implanted. He's kind of like Freddy Krueger, but like Freddy Krueger, you see the, the manifestation in that guy with the claws that has the burnt face, but the devil, his lightness to Freddy Krueger is he, he's more so implanted in the mind. Freddy Krueger goes away when nobody knows or speaks of his name. So the devil goes away when you alleviate yourself from drifting. When you create systems in your life where there's no space for him to get into your mind and deter you away from your chief aim or your goals or your aspirations. Um, and so it's just a super interesting concept. And in the audio book, he, the, Napoleon Hill is himself, and then he takes on another voice as the devil, and it's like super eerie, and uh, like it really sounds like he's this person um, or this this entity that we all or most people fear, um, but don't really understand. And he does a really good job of helping you to understand who and what the devil is, man, and so. Yeah, that's like one of the books that I'm reading and it kind of ties into another book that I'm reading. But in hearing me talk about that book, does it spark any thought about things that you learned in text and also things that you knew about the devil? Or does it challenge any thoughts that you have about like the devil? It does in many ways, but first and foremost, it inspires a question I want you to sit with while I respond to yours, and then I'll re-ask when I'm done, and I want you to answer for me. When you finish spending time with that text, Do you feel something or has it captivated you and it leaves you thinking about something? Now, to answer your question more directly, different texts that <laughs> I read relating to the devil uh, mostly would be the Bible. <laughs> and I have a very personal relationship with the Bible because it had been my experience in most of my life until I found churches later in life after I was no longer a, of the Christian faith or considered myself Christian in the sense that I did in my maturation process. Uh, just going over scripture wasn't what the mode of conversation was. You feel what I'm saying? So a lot of my relationship to the scripture was pure personal interpretation and my relationship to the word, like, because I read it cover to cover every summer, you know what I'm saying? Like I start a fasting and I do not consume food until I have read 50 pages and I do not go to sleep until I have, I have my systems. But the point is... We kind of talked in the preamble to the show about my interpretations 
of the devil's story, the devil's mechanisms and how he operates and in how he is perceived by man. So most directly to take that and put it in a microcosm, the overwhelming presence of the devil devil in story and film and cinema, you see an element of this promise where you get this thing you wanted, but there's always a, a, a debt that comes along with it. The bill always comes for this thing you think you got over with. And um, to bring it into something a little you know what I'm saying? Light and not dark at all. If you think about procrastination, you watch a little TV, you relax, maybe you take a walk, you take a hike, you do this, you do whatever it is you're doing other than the thing you're supposed to be doing in order to relax, to gain some semblance of peace. But the bill that comes is that anxiety, not being able to focus on the thing you're doing to relax and having to rush to do the thing that you should have made priority and got out of the way anyway. You feel what I'm saying? So without having read the literature, and hear the terminology drifting procrastination kept popping up in my head as one of the things that make me exist in my lower self because it pulls me away from focusing on the things I want to be doing because I'm avoiding something I need to be doing. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So I thought about the devil and how it exists from a literature standpoint and my interpretation of the text and how you can create a hell for yourself right here on earth. And the devil is the catalyst that puts you in that hell state or existing in your lower self. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it, 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 it challenges what I believe to be my control, but also creates personal responsibility that's going to be interesting as a part of my journey through introspection and when I go back and reread that book cover to cover next year, you feel what I'm saying? It's going to yeah. change how I interpret a lot of passages. And I have several different Bibles. So I think a different one is going to get marked up with that perspective. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I, I might have to get another one to be the untouched Helios Biblios and then mark up one of my other joints that I already got. Uh, every Bible I have was a gift from someone. You know what I'm saying? And uh, they all have different meanings and I use in different ways. But that book is definitely something I think I might add to my library and digest. But to bring it full circle back to you, because hearing you talk about it made me feel a whole lot of shit before I got to that thought. When you finish a reading, when you finish spending time with that book, as you take your journey through it, most often in the aftermath, like, you know, you, you finish some barbecue, the itis hits you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Is it, <laughs> what hits you when you finish spending time with this literature? You feel. I feel. Oh, so you feel. Okay. I feel more. See informed and I felt like I felt how 
what Facebook does to you is they throw your your worst fears in front of you so you feel validated and like that see 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 it was it was kind of one of those moments where I'm like I see why I feel the way I feel when I don't get something done because they talk about procrastination they talk about the consumption of drugs you said like, Facebook oh, he meant the devil he wasn't trying to no, call no, Facebook no, 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 the no, devil no. I don't think I said Facebook you how meant Facebook, Facebook? I thought you was talking about the book Facebook yeah, I am talking about the book, but how Facebook, whenever you in front of your computer or whatever, and you have these thoughts and you say them out loud, like immigrants. Okay, I see jobs, what you're saying. Facebook, yeah, and Facebook throw it in front of Got you. Gotcha. It's like it's like that. It's like my worry about procrastination was validated in reading this book, and I, you become more informed about why you feel that way like it gives you the it was a therapy session without having to pay for a therapy session or sit in front of somebody that i don't know who doesn't understand me it's because these are things that i've been actually going through and things that i've been actually feeling before but now i have information to say from somebody who's well informed, who's well read, who has a lot of experience, who talks about in the book the things that they suffered from, and they talk to the devil about the things that they suffer from, and they ask questions centered around the things that they suffer from, and say, "Is this why this happened to me? Is this why I did this? Is this why I did that?" And to get that affirmation from, and so for this person to be as vulnerable as they were, the author to be as vulnerable as he is about his pitfalls and to ask those honest questions to the devil and for the devil to affirm yeah that's why and this is why and he's like well why now are you not affecting me like why don't i see you this much in my life it's because you did this this and this and it's tougher for me it's my. not impossible for me to get in there but it's tougher for me to get into your mind because you do these things so I feel more informed and you feel like you are more equipped to deal with the things that may fly in from the outside or you're more aware when those things fly in from the outside and you realize that this is the devil, so to speak. And so it's not a run away from it. It's how do I create better systems that prevent or how do I become stronger so it it it, it was inspired like it, it, it had a lot of effects on me as a book like it was inspiring at the same time it helped me to feel at the same time it was validating at the same time it gave me an awareness at the same time it empowers me to share that knowledge in this space at the same time empower me to be more vulnerable about my poor habits and my weaknesses so it did a lot it did a lot and it's been a driver for me since I put it down, it was one of the drivers that made me pick up the next book that I picked up to reread it 
because I wanted to build those. I wanted to eradicate my drifter ways because I realized, man, I've been a drifter. I have been drifting for quite some time. And so how do I, how do I amend that? And it's the answer for me was start at the beginning. When you get up in the morning, what do you do? As you go out throughout your day, what do you do? What are you doing? What are you thinking? And it talks much about your, as much about your thoughts as it does your actions because your, your thoughts become your actions. And so creating better thought, thought processes will create better um, action systems. So, yeah, that's where it left me is working to develop myself personally in a lot of different areas. So I so I become a better asset to myself, if that makes any sense. And then I become a better asset to those in my circle around me and I can fulfill or design the life that I want for myself. So I guess that's a very long-winded answer, but I was thinking about it as I was talking, so more things started to come out. But yeah, I, I think it's, yeah, if you if you have the time to, to consume it. It also made me think about what the hell, what we going to choose for the first edition of the uh, of the bullshit book club. <laughs> Because to be able to, to consume these types of texts and then have discussions about them is something that I, yeah, would very much so like to to infuse into the community that we build. In. So yeah, man. Anything you've been you've been reading or consuming on the you've been consuming either visually or audibly. Nah, not really, man. I just been grinding, G. I just been grinding like a motherfucker, man. But I definitely appreciate that contribution from you, G. That shit definitely sounds something that's wildly captivating. Yeah. Appreciate it, man. Can I do something for you, though? Give me some headlines. I'm gonna give you some headlines, man. <laughs> give me some headlines, G. So we're going to slide into this, this section, man. First headline. Reducing the waste of surplus food. I'm sorry, where does this story come from? This story comes from the Reader's Digest. The next story comes from the Wall Street Journal. Burned out. Maybe you should care less about your job. And then this next story comes from CNN Sports. Bubba Wallace becomes first black driver to win NASCAR Cup Series since 1963. 
All right. Run back through them for me. I got you. Reader's Digest reports reducing the food waste, reducing the waste of surplus food. The next one from the Wall Street Journal burned out. Maybe you should care less about your job. Third story from CNN Sports. Bubba Wallace becomes first black driver to win NASCAR Cup Series since 1963. Let's hear that second, John. Burned out. Maybe you should care less about your job. Bet that. I think I think Americans want to hear what's going on with that. <laughs> Bet that. All right. So from the Wall Street Journal. Oh, you burned out? Maybe you should care less about your job. When Jonathan Frostick realized he was having a heart attack in April, sitting at his desk on a Sunday prepping for the work week, he thought about his wife and his will. He also thought, I needed to meet with my manager tomorrow. This isn't convenient, prefacing the comment with an expletive. The 45-year-old financial services worker survived and changed his life. The non-negotiables on his calendar now are thrice weekly swims, and dropping his youngest son off at nursery school in his fewer in his fewer hours on the job he says he's calm decisive above the fray when he has too much on his plate he leaves the work he leaves the work for another day he insists on 30 minute meetings that stay on point i've been stressed once since this heart attack i've been stressed once since this heart attack it's like the switch now it doesn't matter. But back then, I was my work, he says. We put in too many hours. We don't take vacation. We can't, stay, we can't say no to that 6 a.m. conference call. Underneath it all is something bigger, an emotional attachment to our jobs that exhausts us and squeezes out the other parts of our identities. For years, we were told to find meaning and purpose, meaning and purpose at work, while other parts of modern life like church receded. Then came the pandemic. Sure, some employees leverage remote work to sneak in noon naps or shirk one job with the secret second gig. But for many, work has become our lives. We sat down at our computers at the spring, in the spring of 2020 and haven't let up since. Now we can't figure out how to turn it off. Can we learn to care less, ideally without having a brush with death? What happens if we let go just a little? And so I will put that so you can read more about that article. I will put that article in the show notes. But I'm glad you picked that one, man, because this is something that really plagued me for a long time, man, was just diving into work. Trying to feel productive because you're doing something for somebody else. And it produces. monetary gain for you so you can continue to survive but this man right here was doing it to the point where it almost killed him. it literally almost killed him and how do we get people to understand that these folks don't give a fuck about you because had he dropped dead he had he dropped dead they'd have threw up a motherfucking job description the next day and they'd have had somebody sitting in that damn chair and he'd have been his his wife, his his preschool kid, his, his wife, 
all these things like the future that he had gone without it like gone without him he don't get to enjoy none of that shit no more and he killing himself over what what exactly so I'd like to hear your thoughts on essentially saying man fuck this shit bro I'm going to come in here and I'm going to do what needs to be done, but I'm not going to sacrifice my well-being to do this shit for y'all because it ain't worth it. Uh, the, the most dangerous thing in the wrong hands is not any weapon that's ever been created. It's power. And because people use the money they get from work to survive, that gives people's employers, employment, um, managerial structure at work, a certain level of power over their lives because they know that losing the job will create instability. and. That contingent is what I feel like creates a lot of the stressors at work in general, because people deal with things they wouldn't deal with in any other facet of their lives, because this thing fuels the rest of their life. And because the most dangerous thing in the wrong hands is power, the higher up the food chain you get, the more unhealthiness exists in a work structure and the more normalized the behavior becomes. Um, the simplest example I could use is talking down to someone. Peer-to-peer, -peer, that's never okay in a work environment. Right. But managers talk down to subordinates all the fucking time. It doesn't happen the other way. You get demerits, you get fired for shit like that when you talk down to your manager. Right. It's called disrespect because in any human interaction, that shit is disrespect. You see what I'm saying? Right. So these logical fallacies, these unhealthy mechanisms that do not exist anywhere else in life, you're not equipped or conditioned to deal with it. And then you get placed in this work environment and most jobs are eight hours a day and there are 24 hours in a day. So this is a third of your life. There is no other part of your life that you have to or get to be at consistently for a third of your day. And these different anxieties and stressors come in and you add in the factor of working from home. It destroys the separation of church and state, even with all of the advantages, like the article pointed out, the afternoon naps, the potential side hustles that you're able to maintain from a work from home position. All these different positives come in. The, the need to no longer give a fuck about work, I don't believe is the employee's desire to have less of a concern over how good of a job he's doing or how effective he carries out processes. I think is no longer treating it like your life depends on it so that you accept less things that detract from who you are 
so that you create more health for yourself in that environment. It didn't say quit your job, do things that'll get you fired. It said give a fuck less because when you don't give a fuck, you don't take shit. You know what I'm saying? People who want nothing attract everything. You want to spend time with somebody? Make it clear you don't want a goddamn thing from them. They'll be beating your goddamn door down. Because people are constantly dealing with different situations where people are taking something from them. Right. One of the most basic things you'll experience in work is your shift starts at eight, ends at five. They will tell you, make sure you're 30 minutes early and you'll be there after closing. In a work environment where you are paid per hour, you are literally selling your time. To ever require you to be there outside of compensated hours is theft. Period. I sell time for money. Whatever fucking task you ask me to do, I complete because you have paid for this time. You a goddamn fool if you convince yourself I need to be there at 7.30 to be selling you time at 8 o'clock. I may need to be there at 7.30 to be able to run a store for you at 8 o'clock, to be open and operational at 8 o'clock. But guess what you need to do as a business owner if you need employees there 30 minutes before opening? Pay them motherfuckers that from you goddamn right. That's exactly what the fuck you need to do. So that's what they mean by give a fuck list. Show up at eight o'clock. And if they fire you for showing up when you start getting paid, sue they ass. That's what they telling you. What are your thoughts on my uh, interpretation? Nah, man. That, that is. Nah, you spot on with that shit, bro. Because. Yeah. Hey, hey, I'm gonna need you to be in about 30 minutes early tomorrow. Okay, no problem. Go to McDonald's and tell them you're gonna need a large fry, even though you ordered a medium. Bitch, pay me for what you're asking for. I sell time. I am an employee. Nice to meet you. Fuck out of here. That's how I feel about that shit. And I say that to a nigga face. I have never worked time I wasn't paid for. And don't plan on it unless I'm volunteering. I go to the gas station and that shit say 37 and then give me back 35. Be like, y'all a charity? He'd be like, what you mean? You owe me another two motherfucking cent. I ain't making a donation, nigga. I need all that. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck you time back. Correct change, please. You want me at work? You gonna have to pay me for working, goddamn. Square business, man. Yeah, it's uh. Yeah, if it's in your job description to lift heavy shit and you come in at 730, they have you lifting heavy shit, don't they? Do you need to be paid as soon as you walk in the goddamn door? Right, P? Well, that shit, baby. Yeah, Yeah, I took you back about 15. Yeah, he was like, well, I remember back in the day when I was a young boy. My shoulder hurt right now thinking about that shit. I hated that shit. Best Buy, boy. Best Buy have your ass stressed out. Put 40, 49 inch TVs in two door Porsches. If you a security guard and a nigga need to get off early to go home, cause it baby mama, blah, blah, blah. When you show up, if they get robbed 30 minutes before your shift start, they not gonna be mad at you. You feel what I'm saying? Pay me when I show up, cuz. 
because I'm responsible for whatever the fuck I'm here for the moment I step foot in the building. Yeah. Fuck that bullshit. Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, pay, yeah, pay me. Pay, pay P, man. Pay COD. I'll put it in another context for you guys real quick. You know why people break up? Because somebody gets sick of dealing with shit and start not giving a fuck. So when y'all argue and he knew he was right, but he let you win anyway, he don't give a fuck no more. So you wrong, you dead ass wrong, and you going to sit on that. And if you fuck around and sit around pouting for two days and you wrong, he going to let your ass pout until you get the fuck over it. And a numbness and a callus start to form. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. My OG taught me something that I have failed to do several times, but I never fail at again. He said, nigga, don't ever start doing something that you ain't willing to keep doing. Because if you ever judge a woman for no longer being able to operate when you no longer do the things that made her fall in love with you, you got to look in the mirror on that shit. He said, whatever it is, nigga, don't ever. Even he was like basic shit, nigga. He was like, bro, daddy, if you don't, if you, (laughs) if apologizing ain't something you see yourself being willing to do. Nigga, don't never apologize for shit you do. He started like giving me examples and being just direct about shit. And it's certain shit, bro. When I say on God, I have never done. And the amount of peace it bring me because it connects to that shit my grandma told me. Baby, just tell the truth. If you tell the truth, you can forget what you say because that shit the same every time. But if you never do some shit you don't feel like doing, they could be mad the first time. They could be mad every time, but to <sighs> no. Every time she asks you about that, she no. Not no. It'll never change. You keep trying. There's no amount of in love I could be that'll make that a part of who I am. You feel what I'm saying? Like the yeah. peace it brings you to be yourself, man. But it's certain shit I've compromised in trying to get to solving problems that I've gotten to the I don't give a fuck point and I stopped doing it to solve problems and nothing ever replaced that mechanism. And had I never started doing things that I weren't willing to keep doing to solve problems, something else would have had to fill that void or we wouldn't have made it early and I wouldn't have wasted time. You see what I'm saying? So the principles he taught me are empirically fucking valuable. And every time I have failed at staying true to them, it costs me time, resources, and blessings turned into lessons. And negative things had to be the catalyst for me choosing health rather than making healthy choices from jump. You feel me? And I feel like to relate that back to the job environment, don't get in there and be doing all kind of shit that is outside of your job description. And then start asking for a raise after you've been doing it for six months. Don't never do a goddamn thing that's outside your job description until they're willing to compensate you outside of what they pay you. That's that I don't give a fuck. 
Don't be sick of doing that shit for six months. Stop giving a fuck and then start lacking on the value that you've created for the company because you're less valuable and then trying to convince them to give you more money. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. Like if they see that value in you, my grandpa Sam, my 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 uh my grand elders taught me a lot in that time with me, even though it was short. He said, son. You're in this life, you'll never get paid what you're worth. You'll only ever get paid what you're able to negotiate. It is your job to make sure you're able to negotiate what you're worth. So don't get the way you don't give a fuck, because I promise you, I've experienced it in a job scenario and countless times in personal relationships. Once you stop giving a fuck, you lose a lot of leverage. Because I wear my emotions on my sleeve. The truthfulness of being able to be transparent, bring me peace and a lot of chaos, but mostly peace. And if I love you, you dripping in it. I'm talking about you sneeze and it come out before snot do when I love you. And when I don't give a fuck, ooh, you taste it in your eggs. You feel what I'm saying? <laughs> you taste that shit in your eggs, goddamn. So, uh, in, 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 per- in your personal life and in your work environment, man, make sure you negotiating your worth when your value is the highest. And don't start doing anything that you aren't willing to keep doing. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lesson for your ass there. Yeah, you didn't know I was gonna take it there. Nah. Yeah, nigga. Buckhead Bridge. Helpful though. Helpful. Profound deep. I got a cousin who is an avid Twitter uh personality. Like he he be on. <laughs> He be on the Twitter and I don't think it's a healthy place for him because he be mad angry on that bitch. But is this CA? CA. Low temperature, lots of sports. Yeah. Okay. Tell me more. Yeah. And he... He has some very, he stands on one side of the fence, and that's his side. And he <laughs> make his point, his points be heard, and they usually, and like this is like super fucking intelligent dude. Um, So like, I'm not, yeah, but he's very, not even a but, he is, he believes what he say. And he not teetering on that shit ever. And he got a lot of takes on music and a lot of takes on sports. And he is not afraid to tell somebody who has a terrible take that they have a terrible take. Um, But one of the things that I've seen him bring up quite often in the past several months, man, is no, no matter how you feel about this person, they have done a lot and there's very few label heads that are better than them um, at running a label right now, especially over the past few years. 
and they need their flowers. And so in this edition of Give Me Some Second Line slash Rep Your City, we are going to give Yo Gotti his flowers for for being the label head of CMG. And we're going to hold down the city of Memphis, Tennessee. Um, so Yo Gotti M- M- is the label head at CMG, which has changed to Collective Music Group and not, it used to be Cocaine Music Group. But Cocaine Music. <laughs> and uh, one of Three O's and four Z's. Man. To you. <laughs> A whole heap of them shits. Um, some of the things that he's done, Yo Gotti, uh, he is signed acts like Moneybag Yo, 42 Doug, and ESTG. And he is a Memphis force of nature. He got the boy uh Key Glock too, right? Key Glock, yeah, Key Glock is on. Yeah, Key don't Glock don't leave out Glock. Glock. Yeah. Well, I, I uh I tried to pull up like the entire roster, but um I was I wanted to go to like the the current but yeah, Key Glock is definitely on CMG um according to my notes, but they have He going recently, though, my bad. I had to make sure he got it Ain't the deal with uh, Interscope, not even a deal, a partnership with Interscope. And we know what that word means. Like when you enter into a partnership, that means it is mutually beneficial for both groups. And you retain Um, ownership over your creative and intellectual property. Exactly. And for somebody to go from where he, it been a long time coming, a lot of dope running. Hustling, trying to dodge the cases. It's your boy, yo. Streets been, hey, trying to go back to the basics. Yeah, I mean, for, for, I heard that song, a white dude introduced me to that song a while, while over 15 years ago at this point. <laughs> and riding a work truck in Southern Alabama going to fix a, an irrigation system. And so since then, I've been a consumer of, the art and for him to start a label and for him to have artists on his label that are producing number one albums and getting partnerships or being valuable enough to garner a partnership from one of the most renowned labels in existence um, means that he is not only an incredible artist. And like I said, regardless of how you feel about him on the outside, like the person, but he's an incredibly talented artist and he must be an astute businessman and he must have a keen eye for talent to sign the artists that he has to develop them to where they are producing number one albums in the genre. And Interscope architect giants. They got like three diamonds. They got three diamond projects on their resume. M50, Dre. And before he went to Interscope, I'm pretty sure he had a hand in the outcast joint that went diamond. 
them niggas be architect and legendary shit. Yeah. And so they see the, and so it's great to see like not the Memphis has went anywhere because they've been producing talent out the ass since, since been pimping from the blues genre to the soul genre to the R&B genre. Now they really making a wave or well, not even now because it's been for the past 25, 30, 30 years. They have been gigantes. Like when you think about rap, Memphis shouldn't be far from your mind because you got, they are one of the, when you think about the South, you got Atlanta, you got Houston, you got Miami. Memphis is up there with with those cities. If not, they the fifth Orleans, point on the star. Me. Atlanta, Orleans. Memphis, Houston, Nolans, Miami. That's the, yeah. Culturally, yeah. they connect us to the Midwest. They right, they would right. connect the South to, to to Texas to me. Right, you know what I'm right. saying. And shouts out to Arkansas. I'll talk shit about y'all football team, but I see Memphis as Memphis was my connection to Arkansas because it's right there. You feel what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So like, I see Arkansas as a part of Memphis and shit culturally. You feel what I'm saying? So they connect the South to the rest of the country to me. You feel what I'm saying? So I love to see them getting a moment in the sun and it being the tip of the iceberg because of the partnership and where the growth is going. I love this. Give me some second line. Shouts out to yeah. guy. I've been rocking with him since Cocaine Music 3. <laughs> cocaine Music 3. Um, and so, man, like shout, yeah, shouts out to the artists that are on his label. Um, shouts out to his new partnership at Interscope. Um, shouts out to the city that he put on for, uh, and even his enemies in the city, man, they, they respect him for who he is and what he's done. Um, cause they know if they mention his name, like it'll garner attention for them. So shout out to, to Gotti for all that he has done for his city, what he's giving back to his city, um, the art that he's producing and, and putting into the culture, man, and what he is going to do in inking this partnership with Interscope, man. I'm interested to see, interested to see how, how things pan out and, uh, what or how we benefit as consumers of the genre and consumers of the art form, um, what we about to get, man. So yeah, man, shout out to you, Gotti, man. Um, keep doing your motherfucking thing, G. Uh, you got it. He pulled us, he pulled up on us in the, uh, all white land Rover range Rover, excuse me, all white range Rover in the all white with the platinum chain on and shit in traffic. When we was, uh, it was All-Star Weekend 2013 here in Houston, man. And he came in and he had the whole entourage and all white vehicles. Um, they was heading to a, a strip club that we was on the way to. And we realized, yeah, all these niggas heading there, we not getting in here for less than $100 at the door. <laughs> they finna treat this shit like a concert. There's way too many stars in here for them to be charging their regular $10 it is to get in here. They up yeah. that price ungodly we's like let's find somewhere else with <laughs> with lily white girls that don't even know it's all-star weekend because <laughs> we not getting none of these not in houston not none of these black establishments man it was hard getting into a strip club that night all you want to do after the all-star game was go find the strip club 
Nope. <laughs> Not, it was going to be a ticket. And Gotti was part of that. <laughs> this cat is coming in there with duffel bags, with racks, tens of racks. Throwing it in there. They're not letting no common common dude in there who's only trying to spend $40. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. you taking up space. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. You can keep that shit, playboy. Go get you some Whataburger and take it home. <laughs> yeah. We, we got you next weekend. Yeah. Yeah, man. We done flew bitches in from everywhere for this. Exactly. Exactly. But I ain't gonna cap. Them Houston script would be cold blooded, man. I got like, never mind. It's a cold lay, young. Yeah. You're in love with somebody else. Damn, it's so good, G. That woman's gonna walk into a bathroom. Oh, man. Time signatures. In this edition of. Yeah, that's important. In this edition, I'll tell me something good, man. We taking it out of the country. We're not even out of the country. We we taking it uh, to our brethren down in Haiti. Shout out to Caribou. Um, You're a Haitian coffee, tea, chocolate, and home goods company, man. Who are uh, a young lady and I, oh my gosh, I can't believe I, I closed out. I had her name. This will also be in the show notes, but this young lady grew up and yeah, she, she fucking up, man. Big time. Grew up drinking coffee um, from the island of Haiti and her grandmother introduced it to her. And so she was wondering why it was so difficult for her when she moved to the States to get um, Haitian coffee and hate these Haitian goods um, in the United States. Like she only got to get them when she went back home. And so she was like, you know what? I'm going to do something about that shit, man. I'm going to reestablish at one point in history, Haiti was one of the biggest suppliers of coffee to the United States of America. And because of their fight for their own independence um, through uh, political revolution, they, we, as a country, our government cut off trade lines uh, with the Haitian people um, and looked for looked other places like Jamaica um, and other countries for that import. Um, but Haiti has some of the best coffee, some of the best, um, the best chocolate, some of the best tea in the world because they have the climate um, to grow it, a really great, great climate uh, for growing it those crops and so she has spent her energy and her time to cultivate reestablishing um those trade lines between haiti and the united states and the rest of the world um and bringing back uh that um demand for that these haitian goods and so it's haitian coffee which is a sacred tradition with uh, creating an economical impact uh, with her home country and building that um, relationship with the goods and the earth 
um, and reestablishing that commerce with black people um, in this country, man. So uh, something good is Caribou, um, care of the Caribou Company, reaching out and reestablishing those lines of commerce with this country and doing it to produce impact and to give back to a country that has done and made incredible leaps and bounds over the course of history in freeing themselves from their oppressors and their oppressors having to go through high hell to try to keep them suppressed, but y'all ain't gonna be able to do it. The Haitian people are just way too strong. Um, so I will be supporting, we at GSH will be supporting um, the Caribou family and making sure that their their impact has a platform uh, and their products have a place to go because we are avid tea drinkers um, and coffee consumers, but mostly tea drinkers. Um, so the first thing that I'll be copying from them is uh, some of their tea and my lady loved chocolate and she recently got a promotion. So um, I'll be copying some of that for her to consume um, as well, man. Yeah, bro. So, yeah. What do you think about you have any? I know we, we all have or we may not even know, but we have these ties to like the Haitian people uh, who have migrated or immigrated, immigrated Zoles. from their, yeah, from their home country um, to Shout this country. Now. And uh, it's a trip that I definitely want to make my damn self, man. Like, not just a trip. I want to spend a lot of time down there in Haiti, man, because of what they have done over the course of history and establishing themselves as, nah, this I shit, we are independent of all that other shit y'all got going on. It sounded like it was going to be a question, but uh, <laughs> yeah, and the baton. But uh, my thoughts on it basically is JJ made me think about the different Haitians that I've had the blessing of knowing in my lifetime. And speaking back to Grandma Promise, man, the things I steal from them in making myself a better human being, man, the amount of strength in those human beings, man. I just have a great deal of admiration for the, for the strength of character, the strength of fucking drive, loyalty. It's so much that I take from the different Haitians in my life, man. I appreciate them as a culture, as a people, and their pride in in, in self as as a people who have been through a great deal of shit, man. Like I, I just have a great deal of appreciation for them, man. So they got my support, love, and whatever they're doing from a fiscal or business standpoint down to supporting them. And, and like <laughs> the amount of hustle, bro, like I'm going to definitely be doing some rep your cities about a few of them now that I think about it moving forward. We start to shout out more small businesses and things as we grow the platform and the audience and we make sure it reach and touch a lot of people. But just love, man. I love, I love coffee and shit. My relationship with coffee uh, come from, when my grandma, when I was growing up, my grandma would have a cup of coffee whenever she got home from uh, work because she'd have more stuff to do and shit. And um, I make my grandma a cup of coffee every day. And uh, she would have some Folgers in this little old can and shit. And I'd boil the water, all that shit, and make my grandma coffee. And I'd taste it. 
to make sure it tasted right when I took it to it. You feel what I'm saying? So I was a kid. So that little sip sent me to the fucking moon. You feel what I'm saying? So my love for coffee was built at a very young age. And it was like, if you don't smoke weed, hitting some really good reef will put you on the motherfucking bull. You be like, oh, this, this, that. So coffee was like this forbidden thing that I got to craft and cultivate and make for somebody I love. So it always had this special connotation to me. So it, (coughs) excuse me. So I have a great deal of appreciation for her growing up with this thing in her life and coming to the States and saying, nah, this this if i'm gonna be here i gotta have this piece of home you feel what i'm saying yeah and uh speaking to the love and the drive the the love i have for the the haitian people in my life that aspect of them like their drive and their passion like once that desire was created for this young woman she was gonna have that shit and in, in taking the best parts from the people I care about and the people I love, that that not even speak it into existence, that live it into existence because what is reality? It don't exist if I don't experience it. I want it, I'm going to have it. The only thing in between me and having it is the life that I live to get to it. Like, I love that element of the story over anything. So you definitely told me something good, man. Blessings out to Haiti. Blessings out to the Haitians. Blessings out to the descendants of Haitian people who are growing their legacy and building in America. I love you. Just out to all my souls. Just out to everybody down in Miami. Everybody who done matriculated up. Everybody out here got them in Georgia. Got them kicking it in Decatur. Fucking with your boy, man. I ain't gonna put your name out there on the interweb, but uh, y'all know y'all fam, and I fuck with you, man, on everything. No gang affiliations, just love and goddamn cashing out. I don't need, I don't need a face called a street cred because I cash out when I pull up. Swear, baby. COD, cash on delivery. Y'all know what the fuck it is. Square bitty, man. Yeah, that my lady people. Um, her family is Haitian. Dad's family is Haitian. Uh, so yeah, that's how I dug up that to show her some love, man, and to shout her out a little bit. Um, but yeah, this has been telling me something good, man, and this has been a spike P joint. And like my dog COD like to tell y'all, I let him tell y'all. You already know what it is, man. We gonna satiate your hunger, you know what I'm saying? When your hungry needs something to eat. Give you what you want. Give you what you need. Always be polite. Always say please. And remember that whether in your personal life or in business, it is always better to give than it is to receive. Fuck with me.